Well, what a privilege to share the word tonight. I am so excited. I'm, I'm thankful that we have a church that isn't afraid to preach the truth. Can you seriously thank God? Thank God, because there are so many churches across our nation and across the world that truth is held under the thumb pretty tightly because it doesn't qualify, right, for an image or an agenda, but truth can be preached here. And I'm so thankful to our pastors because they provide that, that, that freedom to preach the truth of God's word. So this morning, or this evening, oh, sorry. Let's see, did that work? Okay, good. I did my screens earlier, and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to send. But my title for this message today is Truth for Sale. Truth for Sale. In Proverbs 23, 23, you want to write that down, even if you don't write the whole scripture verse down. Write that down. Chew on this word. Get it into your heart, because we all need this here for this time and this season. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Now, this isn't a maybe if you want to, right? This is a forceful buy truth. Actually, it's talking about a family and it's talking about parents. Can you tell how did your mom tell you to do something she really wanted you to do? right? With the mom voice. How did dad tell you and get you to move when he needed you to move? He says, buy truth. That's the tone of this verse. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom, instruction, and understanding. So every single day we are confronted by or presented with an offer to buy your truth. Are you selling? Everyone has a price, right? We've heard that that before. Everyone has a price. Is that true for you? In a world of my truth, we as sons and daughters of God know the person of truth. And his name is Jesus. But just knowing who he is, is not enough. Living in truth And truth living in us is what is required. If you haven't noticed by now, like something is happening in the kingdom. Something is happening. There's an irritation. There's an agitation. There's, it's hard to be comfortable right now, right? You can see it all over Instagram and social media and the prophetic words. It's hard to be comfortable. Everyone is thinking, everyone's saying, everyone's just bouncing all over the place. And it's a good thing because God is waking up his bride. And she is getting prepared for her bridegroom. You know, this week I sent Becca and Louie uh, a reel. And it's gone viral, I'm sure. But it's that song, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, right? And it's a picture of a grandma waking up the grandkids and said, my childhood memories, right? So it's my childhood memories. My mom would wake us up that way, but then I would wake my kids up that way. And they're like, oh, mom, right? But that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, rise and shine. I'm coming. I'm coming to pick you up. Are you ready? And we're agitated. 
we, we don't want to wake up. It's more comfortable to stay underneath the sheets, right? It's more comfortable to keep our eyes closed and pretend like this, this is not happening. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, wake up, bride. I'm coming. I'm coming. You're being called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we are being called to walk in truth. So there's a couple points we're going to talk about tonight. The first one being truth is absolute. Say that. Truth is absolute. (laughs) Truth is defined as the true or actual state of a matter. A verified or indisputable fact. Proposition or principle. Truth is reality. Right? That's how you define it. It's reality. (sighs) Truth remains true, regardless of how you think or feel about it. Amen? In Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord is an example of absolute truth. Regardless if you agree, you believe, or you understand, he is still Lord. You know, about 30 or 40 years ago, some of um, those senior to me, which isn't very many of you anymore, (laughs) but you remember that they used to talk about this relativism coming into the schools, right? Relative truth. It was a big deal. I remember because I was either in high school or a little bit out of it. But relative truth is truth that changes based on how the individual understands it. There's no absolute truth in relativism. You have your truth and I have mine. One reason relative truth is so attractive to people is that they can create their own reality. One that frees them to do whatever they want. Paul warns Timothy that this idea will even seep into the church. You know the scripture verse in 2 Timothy 4, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They don't want that. Instead, to suit their own desires, they gather around them teachers who say what they want to hear. You know, the popular ones, the cool ones, the ones with the workout Instagram videos, the ones with the cute outfits and the beautiful cars. Each of us must hold fast to absolute truth in God's word and who he says he is and who he says we are and what he has called us to do. We have to hold on to that. We have to hold so tight and so hard that nothing can pry it out of our hands. Not the way we feel, not the way we think, not what you say, not what you say, not what they say. We know who God is. And we know who we are. And we know what he's called us to do. That's what living in the truth looks like. 
We're done with the watered-down version of the gospel that props up self-absorbed Christianity at worst and spoon-feeds us character development at best. We're done. We want the Bible. We want to be taught the Word of God. Can we teach the hardcore truth of Jesus, please? Plain and simple. Even the young people, that's what they want. It's like the carnivore diet. Give me steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, and steak for dinner, please. Right? This is what we need in this time. The danger is that when truth becomes relative in a society, absolute truth is viewed as oppressive, confining, and burdensome. And this is the blueprint of a totalitarianism society. I said it. I said it. Truth is relative to the political power and control of the government. And we saw this in Germany, we saw this in Russia, and we see it and saw it in China. Totalitarianism is a form of government that theoretically permits no individual freedom and that seeks to subordinate all aspects of individual life to the authority of the state. Mussolini, Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and Kim dynasty. And times have evolved. (laughs) Now we are more advanced. And for now, the gulags are a thing of the past, right? But now we have the pink police. Or the Crocker Park robot. Have you seen him? Soft totalitarianism. In a soft totalitarianism system, is truth is relative in order to help and to heal. It's therapeutic. And it's directed not through the government. It's directed through organizations, through institutions, through corporations, probably your corporate office, through Google, through Facebook, through Instagram, with surveillance, algorithms, and social societal narratives. And I know that I'm going to make some of you mad. I know that. I know. I can hear it. You're talking politics. We are in church. (laughs) But I'm not talking politics. I'm preaching truth. And it is time to walk in truth. So the next point I want to talk about is Ketman and politics. Guess I am talking politics. (laughs) But Live Not By Lies is a book that inspired my message tonight. And it's by Rod Dreher. I would highly recommend that everyone read it. Live Not By Lies, Rod Dreher. But he interviews a number of people who lived behind the Iron Curtain. And they were persecuted as Christians and were sent to prisons for their stand against communism. We didn't learn this in school. He explains a term called Ketman. It was brand new to me, and I really had to study it because it's got kind of an elusive meaning. But it's used to describe the inward resistance that you may have, but outwardly you go along with the ideology, the rule, or the truth of communism. You go along to get along. 
And it's a dangerous way to live your life because you basically sell your soul to keep the peace. And Ketman challenged me very, very specifically. And I'll tell you why. And a lot of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) You see, growing up in a highly politicized, ethnically diverse, sandwiched generation, how many of our Gen Xers in here? Come on, raise your hand. Gen Xers, right? We were the ones that got stuck in the middle of chaos. (laughs) And... We were taught in a very inconspicuous way to stay away from politics because it'll just get you in trouble. Ketman is very applicable in the political correct wokeness culture that we live in now. We don't speak up about how you really feel. Don't stand for your truth that abortion is killing a baby. Don't speak out on vaccinations that are hurting kids. Don't talk about firearms. Don't talk about freedom of speech. And and girls' sports are for girls. Don't talk about any of that because you may ruin your life. You may ruin your friendships. You may lose your job. You may lose your, your reputation or your influence. And we don't want to sacrifice all of that for the truth. So we just sell it. We sell it for our lifestyle. In Proverbs 12, 17 through 19, it says, A faithful witness speaks the truth, but a false witness utters lies. Thoughtless words cut deep like a thrusting sword, but the speech of a wise is a healing balm. If we would tell the truth, we would begin to see the healing. Truth spoken will stand forever, but lies survive only briefly. You see, this is going to end. We know who wins. Jesus wins. And truth will win. But truth has to win first right here. Truth has to win in me first. I can be trusted with truth. You can be trusted with truth. It's not about politics. It's about telling the truth. Alexander Solzhen, he's Solzhen, I can't ever say his word. Help me out, Della. Solzhenitsyn. (laughs) He wrote an essay back in the 70s, back to the Soviet people who had been freed finally from one of the gulags. He was exiled to the U.S. after being a communist dissident. Live Not by Lies was his original essay title. And he knew the normal person could not resist the entirety of the communist regime, but they could at least choose to live in truth. And he suggested the following, and I hope this is okay, (laughs) that I'm doing this. It's okay. (laughs) He said, number one, Will not say, write, affirm, or distribute anything that distorts the truth. He said, do number two. Will not go to a demonstration or participation in a collective action unless he truly believes in the cause. Number three. Will not take part in a meeting in which the discussion is forced and no one can speak the truth. Number four. Will not vote for a candidate or a proposal he considers to be dubious or unworthy. Number five, we'll walk out of an event as soon as he hears the speaker utter a lie, ideological drivel, or shameless propaganda. Number six, we'll not support journalism that distorts or hides the underlying facts. And I would add one for our 
change in how totalitarianism is affecting our society, I would add one. Will not support any corporation that propagates lies. So how we as Christians live out these suggestions are determined both by our understanding of Scripture and our personal conviction of the Holy Spirit. But in this modern day of 2023, our choices are being recorded in data and stored to affect algorithms for now, but possibly your credit scores for tomorrow. No matter, I will not live out Ketman, but I will live in truth. Amen? This is too much of a privilege. This is too much of a privilege not to to stay quiet. We can't anymore. We can't stay quiet anymore. So what does truth lived out look like? What time is it? Oh gosh, I gotta hurry. It looks like families. And it looks like life groups as resistant cells. Families and life groups as resistant cells. And it's funny because when this book was written, it wasn't so like exaggerated at first. It was probably written, I think, in 2020. But now he's calling them resilient cells. Yeah, see? See how they force our language to be changed? Resistant cells. (laughs) Resisting the lies of the enemy. That masculinity is toxic. That every woman needs to be a feminism feminist, that children are a hassle. No, we live in truth. We build strong families. We model moral courage. Listen, guys, marry the girl, okay? Marry her. Work hard, have lots of babies, and be faithful to her. Girls, Girls, pray for your husband. Don't criticize him. Don't criticize him. Keep love and grace on your tongue. Make your home beautiful and teach your children to love Jesus. This is resisting the lies of the devil. This is resisting. He wants to break up the family. And we resist the devil when we grab our wife by the hand and we pray for her. Lead her in truth. Resistance looks like love and unity. Hannah Arendt said that what prepares men for totalitarianism is that loneliness has become an everyday experience. In a world of great connectivity, we are lonely and isolated, starved of deep connection of soul with one another. Jesus prayed, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. And we, as a church community, are missing some things. We're missing some things. We march in here. We shuffle into church with a quick hello in the foyer. We sit down and all face one way. And then just as soon as they call for altar call, we run out, right, to go to our football game or to go to our lunch or to go hang out by ourselves. It's time to get connected. That's why we're always screaming to you, get in a life group. Pray for one another. Share stories. Cry together. Eat together. I mean, go have barbecue. Every single one of us should be discipling someone. Every single one in here. 
Grab a purple book. Sit somebody down next to you and teach them about the Bible. You're getting community. (laughs) One-on-one, growing them up in the faith. This is resistance, guys. This is living in truth. Another way resistance looks like freedom, it's studying the word together. Do you know what ensures freedom? The truth. I love the story that Dr. Summerall used to tell about when he was in Europe. He visited Smith Wigglesworth. Dr. Summerall did. And he was a young guy. And he was walking up to, do you guys hear any of this? Anybody hear this? He was walking up to the door and he had a newspaper in his hand. And he knocked on the door and Smith Wigglesworth opens the door. He's like, what is that? It's my newspaper. He's like, get that out of here. And he threw it in the bushes and he said, come in. And he sat him down right in front of him and he opened up his Bible and he just read aloud for about 30 minutes. And then he shut his Bible, and he stood up, and he said, okay, here's the door. Bye. That was, the, that was their relationship. <laughs> they studied the Bible together because that was what he knew brought freedom to Lester Summerall. In John 8, 31 through 32, if you hear my voice and abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and that truth will give you freedom. We read the Bible. We memorize the Bible. We meditate on the Bible. We record the Bible. We write the Bible. We sing the Bible, right? It's our truth. It's truth. It's what frees us. It'll free you from alcoholism. It'll free you from depression. If you still got a little depression, open your Bible and start yelling it to yourself. Write it all over your windows. The truth, the word sets us free. Resistance looks like solidarity. And solidarity as a means of evangelism. This is powerful, guys. We are banners of truth. We are banners of truth in love. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. As a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you. Paul was saying, please, please live a life worthy that's the, that, of the calling that he has graciously extended to you. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. Tolerate one another in an atmosphere thick with love. Make every effort to preserve the unity of this, the spirit has already created with peace binding you together. We won't win the world by yelling at them. We will win them by telling them the truth in love. How many of you guys know Jordan Peterson? You guys need to look up Jordan Peterson. Okay, so Jordan Peterson is this super smart intellectual philosopher slash professor who is finding Jesus, by the way. His journey is is really unbelievable to, to see. But he says that churches have an amazing opportunity and obligation to invite the young men back. And say literally to those young men, you are welcome here. When nobody else wants you, we want you. (laughs) If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time, your energy, your effort, and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community and your country and the world. He said that we should even go as far as to put it up on a billboard and say, young men are welcome here. And you are loved by a heavenly father. When your father didn't love you well, you're loved here. Oliver Anthony, right? Have you guys heard of him? 
Somebody sing that song. Not the whole thing, because it's got some bad words in it. But that song that went viral, Rich Men in Richmond or something like that. This guy is a phenomenal, like, he's, it's just taken over our country. Because young men are hungry for truth. They're hungry for someone to say, I get it. I, I know what you're feeling. You are accepted. You're loved. There's a father that loves you. Men, some of you need to have community breakfasts in your own cities and invite young men. Who's stopping you? Who's stopping you from making a couple biscuit sandwiches, putting a sign up on your community center, and inviting your community guys to come in? Nobody. The harvest is ripe. What if three show up? What if four show up? What if five show up? What if one shows up? Thank you. Truth or comfort, the gospel of truth. And this is my last point. Ooh, sorry. I got it. It's a long point, though. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11, and I won't read the whole thing. I'm going to focus on verse 2. This is, Paul was writing to the Thessalonian church, and he was explaining what the end times would look like, what the day of the Lord would look like. And he said in verse 2, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming, just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons and light, sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. We have responsibility to live differently, to live in the truth. Down in verse 9, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now this must be said, and I'm going to probably make you mad again. But God has not promised us a gospel of prosperity, peace, and safety. No matter what anybody else says. He has promised us a gospel of truth. And we've mixed up having faith with prosperity, peace, and safety to the point where we have forgotten about persecution. It's time for the gospel with a backbone. It's time. All the other countries in the world have it. It's time that we grow one, right? A backbone. I read the, the, um, the VOM magazines, which is the um, Voice of Martyrs magazines. And you see these little Mexican women being kidnapped and beaten because she teaches Sunday school. And because she passes out Bibles, right? And then we read about the Benda family, who was one of the dissident communist um, regime in Czechoslovakia. And Václav Benda was sentenced to jail, leaving his wife to raise four kids by herself. And after about four years in jail, he was told he could renounce his stand against communism and be exiled to the U.S. They said, you can take your family and go to the U.S. if you just, you know, renounce your opposition against communism. 
So he thought, oh my gosh, my wife is going to want me to do this. He has a conversation with his wife and she said, no, do not, do not give up the truth. Do not sell truth is what she said to him. And he stayed in jail until he was finally released at the fall of the regime. It's in the Bible. All but one of the apostles were martyred for their faith. And the one that wasn't martyred was was thrown into oil, right? And when the emperor finally realized he couldn't kill him, he said, okay, I'm just going to exile him, John, to Patmos and just keep him there because he was probably terrified of him. He wouldn't die. But Peter refused to be crucified the same way as Jesus. Paul was most likely beheaded after the great fire of Rome, which, get this, Nero was believed to have started the fire so that he could rebuild the way he wanted to rebuild. Did you catch that? For the preservation of great deception, truth will always suffer great persecution. But truth will always triumph. The moment we stand up for truth and stand against illusion, which is a lie, we can expect persecution. And this is not a faith problem. Quite the opposite. This is a faith triumph. (laughs) Those who are willing to endure persecution for the truth have the greatest faith. You know, it's almost embarrassing. I'm going to share you my testimony now, which is hilarious so far. I got a few mean comments on my Instagram for burning my shoes. Right? It's hilarious. It, this is hilarious. Adrian didn't get a job that he interviewed for and wanted because he stood up for the truth. I don't shop at Target anymore. Big deal, right? I don't drink Starbucks. And I don't wear Nike. (laughs) But when we are faithful in the little things, we build strength to be faithful in the bigger things. Seriously. Jesus said it in Luke 16.10. I might be embarrassed of my testimony right now because it's really not that big of a deal or that hard to not shop at Target. But Luke 16, 10 says, the one who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And we just assume we are going to be able to stand for truth when it really matters. Guess what? It matters. Truth matters. Jesus is truth. And it's time for the church to stand up for our bridegroom. We stand up for our bridegroom. But we don't have to fear the repercussions of persecution because we are marked with truth. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says, Because you too have heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and because you believed in the one who is truth, your lives are marked with his seal. And this is none other than the Holy Spirit, who was promised as the guarantee toward the inheritance that we are to receive when he frees and rescues all who belong to him. We are so worried about the mark of the beast. (laughs) We need to be concerned about this mark, right? Like, I want this mark. I want to be so marked with the Holy Spirit that I can 
spot a lie coming like a mile away. And I'll be honest, the past couple years, it's, I've tripped a, couple, a little bit. I've tripped. But no more. No more. I am marked, right? We are marked with the Holy Spirit, with the seal of truth. Paul commissioned Timothy to lead in truth. And I'm going to read this scripture verse because I think and I believe tonight God wants to commission us here to lead in truth and to be given the gift of discernment. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit that belongs to all of us. That we can spot a lie and we will not be held captive and we will not sell truth. Amen? So 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Timothy, do everything you can to present yourself to God as a man who is fully genuine. <laughs> right? We are fully genuine. A worker, unashamed of your mission. A guide capable of leading others along the correct path defined by the word of truth. And unless we are willing to walk in truth, we can't take others with us. And God is calling us to a deeper, greater, and higher level of truth tonight. Would you stand up with me? I really want to give opportunity to respond to this, this message, because I think it's very, very important to be marked tonight, to be marked with truth to be marked with the gift of the Holy Spirit and receive discernment because there are so many others following us. Every time I come in here on a Wednesday, I literally can see it overflowing. Overflowing with people, with young people. They need to follow someone on the path of truth and they're gonna be following you. So everybody close your eyes. And as we go into worship here soon, I'm going to ask. Oh, Jesus. We want to be marked by your Holy Spirit. We want to be marked by truth. That we would be worthy to receive discernment, understanding, guidance, wisdom that we would buy this truth and we would not sell it we would be prepared for our bridegroom faithful in the little things fully genuine leading others to Jesus prepare us Lord mark us with your Holy Spirit if you want to respond tonight, I'm going to, off, I'm going to offer just the altars. And Pastor Troy and Pastor Rebecca and some of our elders, would you come and just pray for Jer Pastor Jeremiah? Would you pray for those that respond? We, we need to be marked tonight with this truth. So come as we go into worship.